Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to a new episode of your favorite ESPN's women's basketball podcast, Around the Rim. I am Tarika Foster-Brasby, your producer, and I guess you can say co-host. I I mean, like, I kind of do that from time to time, so I'll take that. I'll I'll own that title for today, (laughs) but I'm very excited to be here with you guys and excited to uh, kick off this show if I am introducing the podcast that I'm sure you have assumed that LaChina Robinson, our host and fearless leader, won't be joining us today. But do not fret because she has given the reins over to someone who we absolutely love, who is more than capable and who we are going to enjoy sitting in the driver's seat today. And that is none other than women's basketball analyst and play by play. You may may have heard her on the Pac-12 network and I'm sure you have seen her across social media representing for the Pacific Northwest, Cindy Brunson. Super excited to have her acting as guest host today. And she's gonna be joined by two panelists who we know bring the absolute best to women's basketball. And that is Rachel Galligan of Windsider and the Nine Newsletters founder and editor-in-chief, Howard Megdal. LaChina is one of those amazing uh, women's basketball voices and analysts whose coverage goes beyond just our podcast. And so in certain moments, she needs to take a break, Um, not necessarily because she's resting, but because she's continually working to spread our game and to cover women's basketball. So we're going to allow her an opportunity to take on some other endeavors. And while she is out, we are going to have some other voices on our podcast over the next couple of weeks. Some you may know some maybe you don't know um, and across all spectrum so ESPN voices non ESPN voices but we just want to make sure that we provide an array of all types of analysis to help us as we head into the second half of the season just a couple quick things to note before we get into the podcast and I know the China usually has her clipboard where she talks about some things that are very important to her but I don't have a clipboard I have a tablet so we're going to call this Tarika's tablet so just a couple of things on my tablet first we want to most certainly give a congrats to Ty Young Tamara Young she retired from the WNBA this week after 12 years you have seen her with the dream you've seen her with the aces you've seen her with Seattle but most notably I'm sure you remember her stint with Chicago uh, 12 years in this league and she announced via a video and a message on Instagram why she decided to walk away from the court so if you're interested in seeing her why you can definitely head over to her Instagram and check that out but listen Ty Young has most certainly been one of the best in our game uh, she spent the 2009 to the 2017 season in Chicago appearing in 216 games. She was drafted uh, eighth overall in the 2008 draft by the Atlanta dream. And listen, she's played overseas. Um, She's just been one who has most certainly made her mark in the WNBA. And so we just want to congratulate her and uh, wish her well on whatever she chooses to endeavor post a basketball career. Also want to give a shout out to my colleague here at ESPN, Shanae Gumake, as well as her sisters, Neka and Erica, as they have been listed on Nigeria's provisional roster, which means they could all play together uh, for the Nigerian national team, which is something that we have not seen before. We've never seen three siblings all play uh, in the Olympics together in that way. And so that would be super fierce. 
for them to do so. I know that there has been lots of controversy recently surrounding Neka Agumake's admission from Team USA. And so this is most certainly um, something that I know would be very special to her as well as to Chene and Erica. They come from Nigerian ancestry. Their mom and dad are Nigerian born and they themselves hold dual citizenship between Nigeria and the United States. So I know the pride that they have in their Nigerian roots and I know the love and pride that they have um, in and for the game of basketball. So just wanna give a shout out to them. There has not been um, an official naming of them to the 12 persons roster just yet, but just the fact that you know they have been named to the provisional roster and have the opportunity uh, to represent Nigeria in the Olympics as a family is just something to be commended. So kudos to you ladies. Before we get into the show, we just want to share with you an opportunity for you to relive one of the greatest icons and most successful teams in sports history, Michael Jordan and the 1997-98 Chicago Bulls. You can stream the Emmy and NAACP Image Award winning series, The Last Dance on ESPN+. And also, if you have not yet checked out The Right Time with Bomani Jones, now is the best time. It's coming at you three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Foxworth Fridays. Guys, Dominique Foxworth is hilarious and he and Bo together must listen. So they are taking you beyond the simple scope of sports and you can listen to the right time with Bomani Jones wherever you get your podcast. So without further ado, let's get into the show. All right, around the rim fans. So as mentioned, we have a guest driver of our show today, and I'm super excited. I'm always happy every time we have her on the show, but even more so when she is acting as our fearless leader. So please show some love for play-by-play and women's basketball analyst, Cindy Brunson. Hey, Cindy. Hey, thanks so much for having me, T. I really appreciate it. And thank you, LaChina, for being so freaking busy that I get to run the point on this wonderful <laughs> podcast. We'd like to welcome in Rachel Galligan and Howard Medgill. You guys know these people really well. Uh, Rachel, a women's basketball analyst with Windsider and Just W Sports. And of course, Howard, founder and editor of the Nine Newsletter and The Next Hoop. So let's get to it, guys, as we approach the midway point in the Olympic break in the WNBA. Which team has impressed you the most to this point? Howard, I'll start with you. Well, to me, I do think it's the New York Liberty and, and a team that was 2-20 and 20 last year, historically bad offense. They obviously made a lot of changes so far, you know, over the offseason. We haven't seen those biggest changes manifest themselves. Natasha Howard hasn't played much, and Sabrina Ionescu has been at less than 100%. But it's those secondary changes. I know we're getting into some of those players as well that maybe people weren't talking about as much. Uh, you know, whether it's Laney, whether it's Sammy Whitcomb, and you see those players making a difference. And this team is absolutely making a playoff push uh, and expect Natasha Howard back pretty soon. And of course, rookie of the year candidate Michaela Onyanwede helping drive yeah. that bus as well. How about for you, Rachel? No, I don't want to be, uh, maybe, maybe this will be controversial, but I, I feel like it's just expected that Seattle's going to be at the top of the standings. But for me, it's Seattle. This is a team that lost three key players from what they've been able to do. Yeah, you could argue, okay, we still have Brandon Stewart, you still have Jewel Lloyd, you still have Sue Bird, but I mean, they lost some really key pieces last year and it's like they haven't even missed a beat. 
know, I, I think what, what they're doing out on the court from the offensive and, you know, honestly, defensive standpoints continue to get better throughout the course of the season. Um, for me, it's Seattle. And if I had to say a second one, just to kind of throw it in there, I think their, rec their record should be better than what it is. It's the Dallas Wings. Ooh, I love that you said the Dallas Wings. I am really on that team. And as a Pacific Northwest native, I have no problem with you going with Seattle. <laughs> if they were to win back-to-back -back titles, that's A-OK -okay with me. Even though I live in the desert and I am a Phoenix Mercury season ticket holder, I really love what the Storm have done. I thought when they lost Howard that that was it, that the run would be done. And like you said, they have just been absolutely phenomenal. Okay, so those are our teams that have really jumped out with us. Um, are these the teams that you both predicted would perhaps be in the WNBA finals? Are your predictions at the start of the season where you thought they'd be right now? I see Seattle being, and Rachel makes a great point, but you know, not just losing uh, Natasha Howard, but losing uh, Alicia Clark as well, uh, who was arguably a top five player in the league last year. But to me, it does go back to if you have, Brianne Stewart especially, and Sue Bird obviously as well, and Jewel Lloyd. It's very hard for me not to think of that team as a title contender. I did have questions about how Asia Wilson and Liz Cambage would operate together. Uh, there was a little bit of a bumpy ride when they did it so back in 2019. They have dramatically improved what they've been able to do together. So those two, Connecticut with John Paul Jones playing at an MVP level, uh, those look like the title contenders to me. To me, that was the top tier going in. So I can't say I was surprised about that. Okay. Rachel, how about for you? Yeah, I think for me, you know, for, with Seattle, it was a question mark. I wasn't sure, you know, to lose that many key pieces from a defensive standpoint, what Clark brought to the team, even Sammy Whitcomb and what, what the energy she would bring to Seattle. I mean, then you lose you know, Natasha Howard is someone who just is such a dominant force as a rim protector. I, I wasn't sure. So that was kind of just a question mark team. Obviously, I knew they'd be in the top three. I'm not surprised that I am and I am. I am and I'm not. Um, I think for me, I really saw the Aces being at the top, which obviously, I mean, right now, flip a coin between those two as to who's the best team in the league at this point. Um, I saw Chicago being a little bit better than what where they, where they stand right now at 10 and 9. Uh, I think, you know, we have to attribute that to the seven-game losing streak. I'm not concerned. I think they can be right there in the end of the conversation. And the Candace Parker injury um, as a part of that seven-game losing exactly. streak. Yeah. Right. And Allie Quigley. So, so I, I saw Chicago, Las Vegas, Connecticut all right there at the top. Seattle obviously is, is in there as well, but it was still – I wasn't sure how this team would respond with the losses. And to Howard's point, you know, obviously a team with – with Jewel Lloyd, Brenna Stewart, Sue Bird, we're crazy if we don't have them in the top three. So um, to answer your question, you know, I, I definitely felt like Chicago would be a little bit higher at this point than where they are. That doesn't mean I'm worried, though. All right. Uh, I want to talk about Rachel's latest article because uh, I was in lockstep with it. Check it out when you get an opportunity. Rachel puts out there that when we get to the All-Star break, that the WNBA All-Stars have more than a fighting chance against Team USA. Rachel, make your case. I just think, I think this is a year that, that is unprecedented in what this game means. We've seen this matchup before. They were considered exhibitions, which was, which was really interesting to me. This year, you know, it's new. Um, the stakes are a little bit different, right? Team USA has to truly be tested and prepared to go win a gold medal. Um, and, you know, and before we, we see 
you know, all-star games are, it's, it's the good time time, right? People are kind of having fun. We're not really playing defense. You know, you got people, Liz Cambage out there running the point. It's, it's a fun experience. It's lighthearted. Uh, but here we have a situation where you've got some players on, on all-star team, the, the WNBA all-star team, you know, they have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. And I think that the most unique part about uh, the all-star team is the, 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 the first timers, right? There's seven first timers on and, and, and a, the, the offensive firepower alone with Enrique. Um, I mean, honestly, you could, you could go down the entire line, Courtney Williams. Um, this is going to be such a high scoring game on both fronts. And you've got to wonder like which team, whatever team decides to actually play defense <laughs> and compete. And I think they will because there are actually stakes on this game. There's responsibility to compete. Um, I really think if there was a year where we see Team USA kind of get knocked off in this all-star situation, because in the past, in the exhibitions that didn't count, Team USA won pretty convincingly. I think this could be the year. I, I really think that you've got players with a chip on their shoulder and you have the offensive firepower to do it. How about you, Howard? What do you think? I, I agree with Rachel. And, you know, to me, there's another element to play here. Didn't you just have a talent pool, and I think this is responsible for why there were so many hard feelings around the selection for USA basketball, was we have in this country many more than 12 players who have built Olympic resumes and who are capable and should be chosen to be on an Olympic team. And so the net result is that if you're building a team that goes beyond those 12, you're going to build a team that absolutely can compete with the very best. And so to see that opportunity before you even get into the fact that there can be players on the WNBA All-Star team and are who aren't necessarily even in the USA pool, well, that is a very, very significant array of talent to be able to draw from. And so seeing that combination, seeing there be extra bits of motivation that go into it, it is something. I'm, I'm awfully intrigued to see how it goes. And this is a USA basketball team, let's not forget, that even lost to Sabrina Nestor's Oregon some time back. So it's not as if this is a team that has never, ever tasted defeat either. Yeah, and Satu Savali was on that team. Right. And as an all-star now on the opposition, she knows how to get it done as well. Mm -hmm. So many tan tangents to go off on here. I will just say that I'm rooting for the All-Stars only because <laughs> Nekulake got passed up after three Olympic cycles and being on tour on the last exhibition tour with Team USA. I'm still bitter. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. And I'm just going to leave it there. But I'm really rooting for the All-Stars because I think the drama is so epically sexy. All right, we've got tons of talent everywhere. Let's talk about some mid-season awards. Rachel, I'll start with you. Who's your MVP right now? It's got to be between Brenna Stewart and John Paul Jones, right? Um, I think for me, I give Stewart the edge at this point, um, not just because of the standings, but I think John Quell is right there. She's right there, man. I mean, I'm telling you, it's going to happen at some point, whether it's this year, next year, whatever it might be. Um, I give the nod to Brandon Stewart right now, um, simply because of, of the level that she continues to play out, right. And, and what Seattle's been able to do, but I think John Paul Jones, she can't miss any more games. That's, that's a key part for me um, in order to kind of make that push, depending on how the second half of the season goes, where Connecticut ends up finishing. I mean, they're neck and neck, but I give Stewart the nod just because of the standings. How about you, Howard? I think it's those two and Asia Wilson. I think it is a three-person race at this point. But to Rachel's point, I think that's exactly it. John Paul missing that time 
essentially when John Paul Jones left to go play internationally, she was so far ahead in terms of win shares. She was something like a full win ahead of everybody else. Now, if you look at the win shares as of today, Brianna Stewart's at 4.1, John Paul Jones is at 3.4. Stewart has played as well as John Paul Jones has, and she's played a full complement of games. So I think it's going to take either JJ finding another level, which is not going to be easy given how well she's played, or somebody else missing some time or seeing some regression from Brianna Stewart. My vote ultimately is for Brianna Stewart right now. Uh, I don't think that's particularly controversial, but I do think all three of them, Asia Wilson too, have an opportunity to make up some ground. There's still last season left. Mm-hmm. I like Tina Charles to make up some ground in that conversation yeah. as well. If the Mystics can get healthy because Charles has just dominated everywhere and everything just the mystics don't have the record to back her up in that fight uh let's go to my most interesting category here most improved player this season rachel i'll start with you to me it's between Bree jones and and mabry i mean i I, that's a tough one I, i almost i think that that Bree Jones is, is playing phenomenally. I mean, she, but, but she started that last year, you know, I think she's just continuing that trend under Kurt Miller and, and kind of what she's been able to do alongside John Paul Jones. I think she, she deserves to be in the conversation, but to, Mabry is, is, is just on a whole other level, you know, where people prepared for her to do this. If you didn't follow her career at Notre Dame and know the type of player that she was and the cold blooded shooter killer, just ice in her veins that she's able, I mean, she's just out there playing with so much confidence. Um, and really, I mean, at, at times throwing the Dallas wings on her back, I mean, she, she does not care. She does not care. And I love it. I, I really am impressed with Mabry for me. Uh, I think she has the not. Listen, New Jersey represent, and that's what's going on with Marina Mabry. So, you know, that, <laughs> I, I, I just have to shout that out as well. And, and Bree Jones, too. You know, what's so frustrating about this award, though, is that so much of the time it's are, – are these players improving or are these players getting the opportunity just because there aren't enough teams and there aren't enough chances even on those teams to be in the rotation and contributing? I remember Bree Jones shooting 9 for 11 in college against Brianna Stewart uh, back in Madison Square Garden. You know, these skill sets are there. And so my pick is actually different than either of those two, although they're both terrific, but it's Sammy Whitcomb, who is coming out here, throwing out 30-point games. You know, you look at her synergy numbers, once again, her defense doesn't get talked about. And my favorite stat in the WNBA this year is Sammy Whitcomb, who's, you know, the three-point shooter, quote-unquote, right? She is leading the league in field goal percentage from two. She is ahead of Sylvia Fowle. She's at 62% from two-point range. Now, is Sammy Wickham a better player than when she was making $50,000 a year on a ridiculous bargain contract for the Seattle Storm? I don't know. She was pretty damn good back then, too. But what she's doing this year, uh, she was on my all-star ballot as well. And I think she absolutely, for me, is MIP right now. I love that pick, Howard. And I think Sammy took a page out of Devin Booker's book. Remember, book before the bubble, didn't have a mid-range game per se, but he worked on it during COVID. And all of a sudden, he is not only lethal from three, but he's also lethal in the long lost art of the mid-range game. And I think that's what Sammy is capitalizing. And her last game, geez, last week, 26 points to lead the way, that was so unbelievable. So those are fun. I'm on the Mabry chain personally, because I just love her moxie 
her want, her grit. I knew she was tenacious coming out of Notre Dame, but you're right, Rachel. She will put that team on her back, and it's her sheer will. She's the last one at the end of the rope in the tug of war, and that's exactly who you want at the end of the rope because she will pull everybody else across the line. I love it. Um, so that gets us to Defensive Player of the Year, Rachel. Sylvia Faust. I think Lachina is going to love me for that because I got to represent the centers here. Okay. She's not here. And I'm the only one here that played center, I think. So I got to, I got to give the nod to Faust. She's playing phenomenal this year. The links are really coming on right now. Um, I think from a, from a rim protector standpoint, I'm always, always going to talk about that. Um, I mean, this is besides what she's doing on, on the offensive floor, which is incredible, but you know, I mean, she's, she's right at the top of the league in terms of rebounding, securing the, the glass. I mean, a lot of those wins that Minnesota has been able to get have been because of her ability to secure, to secure rebounds, you know, and, and I think she, she's averaging right, right around two blocks per game. And she just changes the game the way she's in the paint, how teams are able to, um, not able to do what they want to do around 10, 12 feet from the basket. And I really think she's playing phenomenally. That's mine. Howard, what about you? You know, I was an Ali Malat rec league type player, so I don't have the center background, but I agree that um, we should represent China. I think that's important. Uh, I, I have still slightly ahead. It's real close, right? Still, I think is, and, and again, the steals is the added element there, you know, which is just, again, you know, Sylvia Fowles with this Benjamin Button type of career that she's had getting better in her 30s. You go by Winshear, she's better in her 30s than her 20s. And she was a Hall of Famer in her 20s. Liz Cambage is real close, though. Liz Cambage is having that kind of impact on the defensive end. It is Bill Embiid lifting her game to another level. And you see this time and time again, Lambeer is just so good at coaching up bids. It's real close for me right now. Yeah, I don't have to impress LaChina because hopefully I've already done that in my past. <laughs> but I'm definitely on the sale train too. And it's the steals. It's affecting every phase defensively. And she, yeah. I love the Benjamin Button analogy. That is so true because she is acting like she just left LSU, not years into the league. And that is awesome to see. Guys, this is the first year we have to deal with the Commissioner's Cup. How would you characterize this, Rachel? Is this good, bad? Are you on board? Do you get it? Are you looking forward to it? I'm on board. I, I really like it. I think it's going to take a little bit of time to get implemented um, and used to it. But anytime we get a chance for these women to secure more money, I am 100% about it. Um, I think it adds an other element of excitement throughout the season. I don't know if this was the perfect year to roll it out, um, just because there's so many kind of weird things between All-Star and Olympic. Um, you know, that's up for debate. But I, I'm a big fan of it. I, again, from just from a money piece, an ability to, for a team to compete, um, you know, added games, added element for the fans to kind of kind of dive into that. But it's going to take some time. I think it's going to take some time for the fans and for us to kind of get used to what this means and, and tracking it and, and understanding it. But for me, just for the sheer point of the money, I'm about it. Nice. Howard? You know, again, Rachel makes this great point about history. I remember covering the Brooklyn Nets on the NBA side the first year, and everyone was trying, well, why don't people – love and care about the Nets right away in Brooklyn. It's because it takes time. You got to build a history. And so I think the same thing is with the Commissioner's Cup. Again, there needs to be more financial incentives in this league. So the fact that that's there is key. I just want to know, 
what's the trophy going to look like? Is it in the shape of Kathy? Like, is that how this is going to go? I think it ought to be. I, I think, you know, you need to do something. In New Jersey, we have this hardwood classic. And it's actually a board taken from the boardwalk. And every year, the Seton Hall men's team plays the Rutgers men's team. There should be a women's equivalent. I'm going to keep pushing for that. But that has a very specific memory to it. And I think we need to do the same thing. I need it in, in the shape of Kathy Engelbert. That's that's my, my modest proposal. Okay. I would offer up to make it a crystal basketball, a la the BCS trophy in football, which I think was the best looking trophy ever. So let's do that part. And then I'm so excited that the games are actually happening in Phoenix. Uh, as a season ticket holder for the Mercury, I was alerted this morning via email that I don't get that as part of my ticket package. I have to buy outside of that, which is cool uh, because I totally support the women making as much money as they possibly can. So I'm super excited. And I hope as it goes forward that more people have understanding about it and all the parameters. I remember Sabrina Ionescu getting asked about it right after it started. She played in her first Commissioner Cup game and she's like, oh, what do we win? What, what, what is she had no clue. So yeah, a little more information on the rollout. That'll be a good thing. Uh, we are just about to wrap it up here. I want to give a super shout out to a phenomenal young lady. And that is one Tarika Foster Brasby, because she puts this thing together every single week, makes it go, rolls it out, I always want to thank the people who put me in a position to succeed. So T, keep rocking it. Oh, well, that was totally unexpected. Thank you. And, and the people on the call know it really was. I didn't make it up for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I have to echo that. Yeah, you do a phenomenal job. We are so lucky to have you. Oh, thank you guys so much. 100%. Okay, I want to leave uh, with final predictions now that we've given T her flowers. Uh, which teams do you expect to see in the WNBA Finals and why? Rachel. You know, I really think it's going to come down to Seattle and, and Las Vegas. I do. I think they're the, I just think they're the next, their heads above the other ones. When I say the other ones, Chicago, Connecticut, the Lynx, I think could really come on late. Um, you know, obviously any of them might sneak in there, but man, when, we, when those two teams compete, it's just next level in my opinion. I mean, they, when they're playing at their best, knock on wood, everybody stays healthy. It should end up being those two in the finals. My list of who would not surprise me is essentially those five. I think at the end of the day, it's going to be Seattle and Minnesota. I think Cheryl Reed and Minnesota has figured some things out. I think Kayla McBride is capable of carrying a team all the way to the finals, if not uh, even to a championship on top of it. And Kayla McBride has had one goal since she has gotten into this league. I just think she's going to help define the second half. She's even going to elbow her way into the MVP competition. That's my belief. It's going to be Seattle and Minnesota. I like that. I'm uh, thinking Seattle and Connecticut. I love the way if Jonquel Jones can stay on the team, with the team, physically able to go, uh, she is a weapon unlike any other human being in the league. You can never count out a Kurt Miller Connecticut Sun team. You just can't. If they can stay healthy, that's, for sure. that's my question. That's my question. Yeah. Definitely. So basically, I'm going to have to cut everybody's comments on this particular segment except Cindy's. She's the only one who picked Connecticut. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I absolutely love it. 
Uh, I think uh, that is going to do it. We've got the fast break edition of this edition of Around the Rim podcast as we hit the Olympic breaks in the books. Rachel, Howard, thanks so much for playing along. Thanks for having us. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right, fans, that's going to do it for this week on Around the Rim. And before we get out of here, we just once again want to give a special shout out and big thank you to Cindy Brunson filling in the shoes of our host this week. We always love when she's available and when she says yes. So thank you again, Cindy. Please follow her on Twitter at Cindy Brunson AZ. Also want to give a special thank you to Rachel Galligan and Howard Mechdel for making the time for us today. Rachel can be found on Twitter as well at RachGal, Howard at Howard Mechdel. And of course, you can follow myself and LaChina on Twitter too. LaChina is at LaChina Robinson. I am at She Knows Sports. I have updated my name so there's no more underscore just She Knows Sports and please be sure you are following Around the Rim Pod at Around the Rim Pod. Um, you can send us an email at Around the Rim Podcast at gmail.com and if you listen on Apple follow us and leave us a review rate us subscribe please leave a review we love to read the wonderful reviews that you guys have to say about us after the fact don't forget please tune in to the all-star game on wednesday july 14th it will be aired at seven o'clock p.m eastern time on espn team usa team wnba should be in for a good one all right guys until next week <laughs>